and it's going okay hi good morning um so all four of the little red dots are on and then you unplugged or you plugged something in this morning what did you do oh i just i was just uh rerouting some uh, cables <coughs> yesterday so i had um uh, I just unplugged the uh, power supplies for the mics. Okay. I need a checklist. Need your checklist. Um, I was looking at the Situation Gray videos yes, yes. and photos from the show. Michael's college band that does reunions. Yep. Lots of golf shirts and dad bods in the audience. And mom bods. And yeah. mom bods. Sure. Right. And I was loving all of it. That's what people do. It's honest. And um, we ain't the people we used to be. We're not. But we are also. We are. Gen X is the best. We still show up. We still show up for it. You know why? Because our music doesn't, it ages very well. Even the old school techno, I think, ages very well. I don't know how scientific one could be about this, and certainly I just sound like old guy, but um, I'm not sure that there are cover bands, and maybe there should never be cover bands, but that is kind of the nature of music, considering that you know orchestras are cover bands. Um, so that seems to be performance of other people's music is an important aspect of craft. But um, I don't know if there are cover bands with contemporary music. Um, there are tribute bands, uh, of certainly of 80s and 90s, uh, and of you know big name acts, your you know your Kiss, your uh, Zeppelin, whatever. <coughs> but I don't know if there are cover bands of contemporary music. Who would want to be a? Who would want to cover contemporary music? And it would be so hard. I mean, how would you cover a Rihanna song or Taylor Swift song? For our listeners, and this morning we have um, our audience has increased by a magnitude. We have um, Jack Kerouac in the audience, our black uh, rescue cat. Yep. Jack, uh, remains. Jack was picked up on the mean streets of Purmerend for uh, public urination, chase and tail, and um, other shenanigans. <laughs> um, so Jackie is uh, asleep on the floor obviously we are uh, you know our dialogue here is completely captivating to him of course yeah thanks Jack thanks for showing up yeah I don't I don't I don't think that there are I don't think that people are that interested in going to live music anymore I mean the thing is with Situation Grey and we've talked about this over the decades. When you're in a Midwestern college town in the early 90s and all of this music is exploding, these bands that you love are not going to be accessible to you to see them live unless you travel, you know, minimum four hours one way to go up to Chicago right. or, you know, whatever. And so it was almost a service bringing the live experience of all of these bands to us. And it was even better because it was, you know, all the hits. It was, you know, and you guys were so good. And the light show was so fun. And it was the center of my college experience, your band. And I know we used to be really ironic about it or eye-rolling, but I think over the years you've come to put your cynicism aside and realize that it was really, really something special. You know, unusual, special, meaningful to people who came and saw your shows every weekend for years. Yeah, and, and I, I, I do understand that. I mean, the, those um, obviously, you know, we were part of, you know, memories, um, important memories for people, and that's fantastic. And and yeah, I think any um, sort of cynicism that I had about it, uh, apart from just the, you know, uh, the pissiness of relative youth, um, 
had to do with, I don't know, maybe just a, a kind of a bewilderment uh, or misunderstanding. Like, I didn't know how people could get excited about us, but frankly. I mean, you know, th yes, I, we were uh, competent. It was uh, certainly a well-produced, you know, it was a um, thought out and planned you know, we were taking ourselves seriously. We were trying to put on good shows, um, and we did. But I, I guess I still didn't understand necessarily why people would want to, to go see us. But, yeah, I, I think you, you make a good point there about the idea that, you know, if you can't, uh, if R.E.M. or The Cure are not going to come to Bloomington, Indiana, of course, R.E.M. did back in the day. But uh, then, you know, if you still kind of want to see that music live. then. But then assuming that the economics of, you know, mounting huge tours are the same, um, then that also means that, you know, Taylor Swift is not going to go to Bloomington. So what happens, assuming that she has fans in Bloomington, um, what do people do then? Do they just, you know, go to the big shows at the, you know, population centers? Or... Well, I mean, now this already brings us into a much larger issue is that none of the bands that you played it was alternative music when alternative music was still alternative music before you know nirvana sort of brought it to the mainstream and then subsequently killed it um but i still think that there aren't i mean i don't know anymore kevin cole would know <laughs> but the sort of mid-level there are no alternative bands anymore because everything's accessible at all times you know so i mean i remember when you guys were f first starting, it, the first time I saw Situation Grey was on my 21st birthday. I think it was a, like a Tuesday at the Bluebird or something. And I'd been hearing about you for months. And, you know, there was just so much charisma up on stage. And, you know, it's the folly of youth as well. But did, didn't Chris, Chris was the lead singer. He also had a job at a little restaurant. Wasn't it McCree's or some deli or something? And uh, yeah. I remember we would go so dumb. Like right, right. we would go to that restaurant hoping to get a glimpse of him. Giddy. Like, oh my God, there he is. Or if I saw you, I would just lose it. As if you guys were, right. you were local rock stars. You were. Everyone was yeah. so, you know, and, and also, I mean, as for as many people that loved you, there were just as many people that hated you, which was also hilarious out of jealousy or didn't like the music or didn't approve of cover bands. You know, but the but the point of it was that it was just so much fun. You know, right. we would get into this rhythm where everybody would get ready for the Situation Gray show. We would go at nine o'clock at night, quote unquote, early, get okay. stamped, go get something to eat, and then we could bypass the crowd. And it was also now that I think about it, kind of a hacienda problem. Because we just came there to see the band. So we weren't really interested in drinking a lot. So the the club wasn't making any money off of Hardcore Situation Grey fans. Because like, oh, I'm just going to have a water. I need to stay hydrated. You know? yes. um, that, was a, that was a funny thing. Well, that's also that has to do, I think, with uh, you know, particular bands and, and the crowds that they're trying to attract. Yes, we, we were made aware of. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I don't know the particular numbers. But uh, yes, our... Fans certainly did not uh, drink as much uh, as some other popular cover bands. Didn't need so, to. And, and th yeah. that is reflected, of course, in the, the bar receipts. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, that's fine. That's okay. You know, um, I guess if you Because you guys also got a percentage of the door, too, in addition to a flat rate or? Um, yeah, I think when you start, you pretty much are, are going to get flat. And, yeah, eventually you get some percentage. Yeah, I believe that's that's how it works, uh, but but uh, of only of the door, yeah, n never of alcohol. No, <coughs> well, because that would have been chump change. Um. <laughs> in our case, yeah, that would have been a good choice. Not to take. I mean, I thought about this is this is a thought that's only come to me in the last couple of years, and so we're talking about 1990, 1991, 92, sort of the golden years of Situation Gray. Why I, am I? I would I... quibble with that. Oh. The, the, I would say that the golden years. The Tina years. 
a- after yeah, yeah. It's certainly later than that period yeah yeah both th- in terms of the actual quality of the performance yeah uh and, and of the fans you know of the the strength of the fans yeah sure i'm but you're you're right you're right the early early days though you're absolutely i don't know michael i mean i think it was almost like for your band it was you know pre and post octune baby you know, I think of it that way, but I think they were both equally good. It was just a completely different level of production when you left, when you weren't on the stage and Tina came up, you know, it was, I took it up a notch and, um, but I don't know if it was better necessarily or doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I've asked myself this question. It only occurred to me to ask myself this question in recent years. What does it say about me? And I know the answer to this, that I was obsessed with the boy in the band. Why couldn't I have just been a normal person and found a nice, stable boy in the crowd? You know, Um, why did I have to go for that? Why was I completely enthralled, obsessed with that bass player in the band? You know, because he was the most beautiful man I had ever seen in real life and when you're 21 20 years old that's kind of all not all that matters but it's all that it floods your brain and I became so boring to my friends because all I did was talk about that bass player in the band and they're like if you don't talk to him we're gonna talk to him for you and we're going to embarrass you and say this girl is too chicken shit to say hi to you but she's in love with you and I was like don't do that please but I still couldn't do it and then of course it worked out because the bass player in that band is sitting right across from me right now but like what would my life have been like if I would have just gone for somebody a little bit more in the mainstream a little more stable I don't I'm glad I didn't make that choice but, um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't as well. I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, yeah, it's <clears throat> you saw the bit. You, you well, I just given the layout of the room, uh, <laughs> you know, you certainly heard the band before you saw the band. So, you know, the if you like the music that we're playing, uh, and of course the sort of focus of the um, songs changed uh, over time, but um, you must have said, whatever, this is a cool band because I recognize slash like um, the, the music that they're playing. Um, so yeah, so you had a positive association. That's it was great. Yeah. yeah. So your version of our story is in, well, this is my version of your version. If you saw me, you would cross the street hoping that I didn't say anything to you. And I remember watching you do that and I was going for a run and I was so mortified because I had a Situation Great t-shirt on, but I ran over to you anyway and I said, oh, I'm listening to Front 240 right now, 120 beats per minute, good to jog to you. And I'm like, oh, Beth, God, you're just you're just oh you're so uncool you're being the most uncool anybody could be right now and then I said something about I didn't say the band sucked but I said because of course I love the band but I said something I think you recall me lobbing a criticism or something and then that was the moment you thought maybe I wasn't a total idiot but I don't know if that's true because I don't remember that I don't know if you've sort of worked up that myth in your mind or well So I would say that it's important that, so this particular incident, uh, we don't call it an incident, it was an occurrence. Event. Uh, event, yes. Um, first of all, you make it sound as though there's a history of me, you know, crossing the street or deliberately, you know, going one or five blocks out of the way just to avoid it's you. It's a very specific it, number, Michael. Well, no, it, it didn't happen because the only thing that we're at time where it almost happened is this particular time. Um, I saw you cross the street. I know, but then you crossed the street. So (laughs) what I'm saying is that there was still a conversation that uh, occurred uh, then. Right, because you were quartered. So I wasn't avoiding you uh, because there was no avoidance. Uh, We we chatted there. 
I clung now, to you. Now, it did happen a little bit later than you had originally planned. Um, and yes, perhaps I, I was, I mean, maybe I had a reason to cross the street. I mean, more than one reason. But um, but yes, uh, you did say BPM. I thought it was cool that you uh, knew what uh, beats per minute were. And um, yes, there. W I don't know what particular song it was or, you know, what part or what aspect of the um, performance that, that you uh, critiqued. But yes, I, I thought that th there was some objectivity. You recognize that uh, we didn't... Um, perform uh, flawlessly um, and that our arrangements uh, could be improved. I think uh, it was so one was nice. song and I probably didn't even mean it. I was probably just trying to think of something fun, cool sounding to say. And then yep. you had to be, you were so clue. you were, I don't think there's a person in the history of bands, great and small, that did not take advantage of the sexual opportunities readily available to you as much as you did not do that because I stood in front of your feet at the front of that stage for months and your band had to tell you that girl likes you and then you just kind of let me hang around and then you kind of hung around me and then that's that was it you just, you were like, I think it was, you're like, ah, good enough. This one, I don't have to put any effort into this. Convenient. She's here. And then it just somehow worked out. Look, I don't, uh, human interaction is a learned uh, behavior. And um, I'm not a very good learner. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah, not who you but, are. Uh, well, I don't always understand uh, what's happening um, when other people do. Uh, and I don't know, you know, how much of it. Look, I mean, you know that if you're in a band, you know, what you might be <clears throat> attracting the ladies. Um, so, yes, in the sort of abstract, you know, there are opportunities. But to actually, you know, pursue those uh, opportunities uh, especially if you're not that practiced um, at that. Uh, and I suppose one could infer if not practiced, then perhaps not all that interested. Um, you know, what, what, what are you going to do? That's so sweet. No. I By the way, Jack left, so we're back down to zero. Good. Yeah, um, the other thing that I don't know that we've ever talked about is... What? Wait, let me back up. What we have talked about is that the the band years probably went on longer than it, they should have. You know, we probably should have stepped out of that because I remember, you know, Fish was always still in school, and I thought that was the weirdest thing. Like, why are you in class? Like, what's the point of that? You know, just so incredibly nearsighted. But as a young couple. We never went on vacation together. We never, you know, traveled Europe or right. did the things that young people did. Never occurred to me. That's weird. Why did it never even occur to me? Because well, that I'm not sure people in their twenties need to go on vacation. But anymore, they but do though, or yeah. they go away for the weekend. Or we never did any of that. It's nothing to vacation from. I mean, life's relatively easy uh, in your in your twenties. I mean. Especially when you're making a living, a comfortable living wage, <laughs> working three or four nights a week, owning your own equipment, you were incorporated, you were a small business, age 2021, 20, you yep. know, that was impressive. Uh, um, this, I, I think, is, yeah, maybe uh, both a strength or, well, no, strength maybe not strong. So I think that something that makes the band a bit unusual, perhaps, is that, um, yes, it was entered into as a, you know, a, a very deliberate um, and intended to be, you know, professional um, product um, that, that we were tr trying to develop. Um, so, and of course, this is, you know, just 
sort of a broad gloss. If you think about what I would those teenage uh, fellows or ladies uh, in the garage, and they all have dreams of you know someday you know we're gonna write the big song or whatever and 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 play the stadium. Um, that was never, at least in my recollection, the the point or the the motivation behind that band. Um, and so in that sense, it, it was a very pragmatic approach to, okay, well, how do we do this? You know, whatever, if we're going to buy our own equipment. I mean, you, you know, you quickly. I think say, it was the opposite of that. I think you, the band became way more successful than you ever wanted it to be or thought it was going to be or had planned for it to be. So how do you walk away from that, you know? yeah, I, you, Is that correct or do you look at it differently? Well, no, I, Look, I, I don't even trust uh, memory much I- anymore. But uh, I think that it seemed to me that part of the purpose in the band, given that from the beginning it was never the focus to, hey, you know, let's the five of us um, learn how to write songs together and play them out and, and become rock stars. Um, and because the... Um, cover music scene um, and the, the club scene in the, that area were more focused on cover bands in terms of, you know, receipts <laughs> at the door. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It, it seemed like a kind of a, a practical thing. Obviously, you know, we are all, all musicians or, you know, we have interest in uh, music and, and um, composition and, and performance, that sort of thing. So um, I think that I felt that the band was sort of supposed to be a way to, if we ever wanted to be musicians, uh, you can, you know, build a business around the pragmatic for a cover band, we make money, and then we, you know, do original music. Uh, So, again, I don't remember any conversations about that particularly, like, um, let's just, you know, ruthlessly um, develop this way of exploiting uh, people's love of this particular kind of music you know like oh there's nobody else is uh doing this sort of thing in this market there's these are popular songs you know the sort of birth of alternative music um there must be a way to to capture that demographic we'll make a bunch of money for doing that we don't even care about this music and then we'll actually uh write songs and uh you know be the kind of musicians that we want to funded from this ruthless cover band project Mm mm-hmm it wasn't that, but it was more that than, you know, let's form a band and, and become big stars. Yeah. And of course, this is where the name of our company came from. Everyone asks yeah. us this question, which is one of the many reasons why we named our company Ozarka. There's a story behind it. Ozarka was the hipster indie alternative the best one because this ah i just we're so lucky to have gone to college in the years that we did so it wasn't the only one probably the best one but it was a record shop and only sold imports alternative music it was highly curated and i was just desperate to work there and so Highly curated by me, <laughs> which by you me. mean it didn't have enough budget. It didn't have enough budget. By all the song records We would grab to. the cash out of the cash register. I would close the shop for an hour. I'd run down to the UPS, yeah. buy the pop product with the cash that people had put deposits down on and were waiting right. for, and then come back with that those boxes and then sell the CDs on to the people who had waited for them. And then whatever was left, I just pay myself out of the cash register at the end of the day. And um, you did it for the love of music. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved putting the. I loved rolling the posters and putting them back in their little plastic cases. I loved organizing the CDs. I loved every. I loved. We still had cassettes, even like used cassettes. I loved taking the tiny little key ring and going into the back and opening up the case for the cassettes. I loved, we used to, you know, sell some um, VHS tapes too. Do you remember Mr. Piss Penis? Remember him? I remember you telling me about this gentleman. He was this guy that would come in every couple of days, order 
more pornos than anybody could watch in a night and bring them back the next day. So he was obviously N- copying nice, them. N- nice older person. Yeah, nice yeah, older gentleman. No, no, I'm saying they, to mm. refer to it as porno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think the youth do that. It's it's just porn. Porn. They, they, oh. they drop the O because everyone rebrands. But it was like you know the classic um, uh, when. I, <sighs> Yeah, the puns. So what's well, a good pun? We always have the bad pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, regarding Heine. Uh, regarding Heine yeah, was a good one. Well, and sometimes you don't even have to describe. I feel like there was a pun against Harry when, like, when Harry met Sally, but I can't <clears throat> think of what that pun would be. Harry, when Harry met. It's probably not a pun so much. Just so, you know, when Harry fucked Sally or. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it, indeed, usually the the titles themselves mm-hmm. were not uh, blue. No. Or, uh, yeah. Anyway, and. Um, Mm, those that was in many ways the best job that I ever had because I could just it was so high fidelity I you could mean just renting to piss penis? no no but no, the no, music I'm saying, part you of it your piss penis story well that was it he would just copy the the VHS type tapes and bring it back because, the next day right because presumably Ozarka is perhaps unwittingly uh it, you know engaged in piracy. Well, we didn't pirate the tapes. No, I I know, but you know, you know how much masturbation can this yeah don't ask, don't in. tell. Yeah, it, well, exactly. So, but isn't it I, great that uh, you were instrumental in introducing porn to a whole uh, legion of uh, fans somewhere else? And where was Mister Pispinus from? I think Greece. Okay, all right. Well, I don't think um, that was no. I don't think that was fantastic. But it was the majority of our gross margin from that guy. So right. <laughs> um, yeah. without Mr. No, Pispinas, I, I, I don't know. Well, it would have been tough. Uh, hard to come by. Uh, you know? I don't know what uh, Greece was like uh, in the early 90s. Mm. But, uh, and throughout the world, uh, porn was still a, a relative uh, scarcity. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, good on you. I'm sure you brought uh, well, joy. And, uh, I, I don't. The old it joy. wasn't me. Um, no, I know. Yeah. But. And um, so that was Ozarka, and I just wanted to bring that feeling back into our world because as soon as I entered the corporate world, I totally lost my authentic self. And I've always said, I'm the shop girl. I'm the girl with the broom in her hand. And everybody thinks I'm joking, but I'm not. That's who I am. That's who I should have stayed. And... I wanted to be reminded that I need to always be who I am. So calling our company now Ozarka makes me feel that way most of the time. And sometimes I still feel like, Beth, you have to put that side of yourself away. But I think that we all do. You know, we can't. It's it's just it's not reasonable to express one facet of your personality even if it's the facet that you makes you feel most like yourself in every situation especially when that aspect or that you know if your personality sort of falls out the norm outside of the norm and it's not going to help you achieve your goals for your business that's just growing up that's just maturity but it's still it is the place to return to, you know, this is who I am. So, so, but but the, the fond memories of that. So you mentioned a lot of the kind of tactile mm. uh, experiences, which I don't even know if people associate with music uh, anymore. So, you know, things like liner notes and posters and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know. But uh, I mean, the, the love of the job, what was it just because you listen to music all day and you care about this? Uh, music I mean do you feel that you're yeah what what, did Mm. it feel like a job I didn't realize that I was describing tactile sensations until you just pointed it out but that's true and plus I could stand I didn't have to sit right so it's the ADHD thing I could switch the music out so you know all all um, systems are firing Um, a little bit of everything futzing around Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's funny that I mentioned the tactile stuff. So Ben Cerveni and I were talking about um, sense memories and how um, smell is such a strong sense memory. And he said, the smell of the paper liner inside a cassette tape. And I was like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
You do too. That smell it was sort of sweet, almost like a candy, but then also very chemically. Yeah, I never knew if that if that was the print material from the paper. I think it was the the plastic. Uh, I think it was the paper. The, the, that clear plastic of the the cassette. Mm. But but yeah, maybe not. Um, but you know the scent I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's just, you know, you can see the uh, CRO2 logo on the uh, cassette tape. It's like, oh, it's like chromium dioxide. Ooh, that's a high-end cassette tape. I don't know about that, but <coughs> no, you um, but you would. Okay, so that's Situation Grey. So they had a reunion show. Okay, at, but at, that, that's what I was asking. But wait, yeah. can you just point? So, and, and so what is it? Uh, it said... You know, you're going into the corporate life, then you're sort of, you're aware at some point of kind of compromising w what you are. Uh, so, so what is it that the corporate life is lacking that you had at Osaka? Well, I mean, of course, my first job in the corporate world couldn't have been less corporate. So, you know, being a music editor at Amazon. Yeah. So that's... that's and, that's but it was, you know, I, once you get exposed... You get access to people who work in the music business, quote unquote. I mean, on the extreme periphery of the music business, which is to say, you know, PR girls and music critics. Ugh, I just didn't, I didn't want to be around all those baby men, you know, that are like so precious and protective of their toys. They don't share. Everything is wrapped up in their pathetic, flaccid little egos. No, no. So... Um, that was really damaging. Um, and then I discovered that I was actually more interested in the tech side, the product development side of Amazon, than the editorial side, the music side. And I said to myself, I just want to go back to being a fan. I, you know, getting all the free C CDs that you want is not a fulfilling career choice for me anymore but the people that still stayed in there that's still even in their 50s and 60s it's who they are it wasn't as i discovered who i am right. and i wish that i even had even more presence of mind mind to realize that i didn't have to prove myself that i could have i mean these are such like modern day tropes but you know create boundaries if i was being harassed or abused abuse is a, a lofty word but i mean bullied by a boss that i could have said something but even back then there were no mechanisms in place to handle that sort of thing um so this kind of bleeds into another topic that i'm going to be talking about a lot which is female entrepreneurship female emancipation in the workplace that i don't look at myself as a victim of that i look at myself as a key member that i'm choosing to be on the continuum moving forward to make sure that the women coming up behind me don't experience that sort of thing just like what my mom did for me yep. when I didn't have to experience the lack of choice that she had the constraints that she had um interested in being a professional woman like every within one generation every choice that I wanted was available to me what didn't happen is I didn't know all of the choices that were available to me I felt like I could do whatever I wanted, but I wish I had a broader field of vision of the things that I might have been interested in. You know, we've talked about this before too, but um, I think I would have been a great software engineer. I didn't know in 1990 that quote unquote software engineer was a thing that people did. I didn't know what software was, but I was like custom programming pretty sophisticated macros and digitize the entire law office that I worked with out of boredom. That was sort of baby programming. It was within the the concept of the framework mm -hmm. of coding. Um, it was just, uh, how do you say? Um, um, well, how do you say that? Not compiled, but, it, you know, it's like, it's like instead of, it was, it was a very rudimentary version of, of uh, content management system yeah. that was closer to code than it was just a template. You're you know? developing within the tools of WordPerfect, though. So it's, yeah. it, this is how you do macro. So, so it mm -hmm. was extending the functionality of, of WordPerfect. But mm -hmm. yes, you're, you're not. And then coding. back at Amazon, you know, we had to do everything <laughs> in Unix, Emacs. And I was like, this is, I don't, I don't want a GUI. I want to stay in this world. 
You know, like all the little triggers were there, um, tiny little triggers, but it, it was too late. What type? of just indications of oh, I could go f- deeper in this direction, like quote unquote backwards. I want to go deeper right. into the code. I don't. I don't want to work in a GUI. You know, um, little little hints that maybe this is something that could have that I would have wanted to explore further. You know. What, what about um, the music business or music editorial, if not for the prevalence of those personality types who you found uh, difficult? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it, this, it reminded me of this too when you're talking about your, your mom uh, or, you know, ladies of uh, an older generation. Yes, you know, probably fewer career options. You know, you can be uh, teachers or nurses or, you know, whatever broad stereotypes. Secretaries. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, presumably the personality types that they're dealing with in, in many situations also, they would, so th- there's the, you know, appreciation or interest in the work itself, uh, but then the work itself is going to be performed by personality types uh, with whom you might not uh, interact that favorably. So uh, how do you, you know, do, do you recognize, like, I have to think that if you, really 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 loved being part of the music industry or you know music criticism that you could set aside some of the personality types um but i mean it would have to be balanced of course the 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 pluses and minuses but you didn't i think pretty early on you decided that that's that's not going to (laughs) happen no and the other thing that didn't occur to me is i had to spend a lot of time listening and professionally critiquing music that I didn't, yeah. that I hated, that I couldn't stand. Which you didn't have to do when you were a shop girl. Sure, right. yeah. Right. That that job was actually the opposite. So, oh, so you're oh. promoting what you, so like you hear something new at Ozarka, you're excited about it, mm. and then your your job essentially is you're sharing your love of this thing and also moving units. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but m- units that you care about. Yeah, I mean, it was a good exercise at Amazon that it was for, for from a writer's perspective, it was a good stretch. It's like, OK, maybe, you know, you never want to listen to a Celine Dion album, Beth, but a lot of people do. And you have to write a review that sells this album to people who like this kind of music and you have to have some empathy. You have to have some objectivity. You have to write the review within the context of similar music to this and so i you know i had to sort of abandon my music snobbery and that was a good thing i think you know Mm -hmm. um and i do yeah i do think that music criticism is important because i think it creates a cultural touchstone you know when you go back in the 70s and you read all those reviews of every of every you know professional music critic hating led zeppelin and getting it so so wrong that that's important you know um, and also I think is the gatekeeper because I care about the music more than I care about musicians. I don't care about the musician. I don't care how much blood, sweat and tears you put into this. Um, I don't, I don't want to get to know you. I don't want to be your friend musician. I, I, you know, this was the other thing too, that I wanted to comment on one day. It was one night, it, you know, it was two in the morning. We're somewhere, you guys are loading out. And I realized this is pretty much the exact same life the girlfriends and group groupies or whatever, or even the band members lead at the highest level at their arena level. It's just maybe the girls are hotter. You're traveling in planes rather than buses, but the travel time is the same. The downtime is the same, the petty and fighting, but also the hilarious in jokes. It's the same lifestyle. It's just on a grander scale. And um, I was like, you know, most people in the, and on the one hand, I think most people in the music industry are, are really damaged people. On the other hand, I think music is the most important art form, both visually and performing arts. Punt, end of story. It's the most important. Music is the most important. It's the most effective. It's the most galvanizing. It's the most, um, um, like uh, it, it, it's the most divisive you know it music is the most important art f- form 
in the history of humanity. You have met people in your life. You're pretty good friends with <laughs> at least one of them uh, for whom music is not that important. Yeah. Uh, how do you, yeah, wh wh what do you do with that? I mean, y you're making statements and obviously this is, you know, everything we ever say can be prefaced with, uh, I think that, or I believe that, yeah. blah, 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 whatever. Um, but wait, so, so, so I'll, yeah, the yeah. story is, and we'll have Ivana on the show a lot. Ivana de Jager is my best girlfriend here in the Netherlands. And she is, I've never had a friendship like this where she is as deep in my core as any girlfriend could be. And we are the same in a lot of ways. Man, are we completely different in a lot of ways. And, I don't know how we came up on the topic, but she said something about Katy Perry or listening to a Katy Perry song. And I was like, Ivana, I, I can't stand Katy Perry. She, that, that music of hers just, it's just, just sparks this, this flame of rage and just irritation. Everything about her music her persona ugh. and I was like how can you listen to that and she said that I don't give a fuck who cares and I was like what you don't give a fuck she's like no oh, it's just in the background and I had it had never occurred to me in my life that right. somebody could just not care about music and then we got to laughing so hard because it's such an obvious thing but to me it was the most profound revelation that there are people in the world who just no they don't really care it's just whatever you know Yep. so blindsided by that huh, it's just one of them you know, yeah yeah so so that was um we still laugh about that that's katie perry is you know she's like oh you listening to katie perry right now it's a hilarious joke well and presumably there are people who you know whatever think that uh, film is the highest art form now yeah you know but it's not music is <laughs> okay well i was gonna say so but you presumably have the same sort of attitude there are movies that you like and uh some that you aren't too fond of um but i think in that sense you're just having a much more pragmatic approach a, mu a movie can't spark a revolution a move a movie can't oh movies yeah but not the way music can you're never gonna fill an arena with people screaming you know going there to watch the godfather together you know never you can't sing along well i guess if it's the rocky horror picture show but you see what i'm saying well i I see where you're going with it in terms of the kind of moment uh, and being a part of a, you know, performance or a communal activity like that. Yes, you don't usually see um, communal, tribal, primal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the most part, movies are not exhibited in, you know, 100,000 seat soccer stadiums or whatever. But the actual films themselves, I mean, Star Wars is the, you know, the the saga is the most important thing that's been created by anyone um, in probably the past hundred years, probably. I mean, just in, in terms of artistic statements. So, um, of course, uh, the saga is much more important than, than the music. Now, the music You are not going to hijack these the discussions saga. talking no, about no. Star Wars, Michael. I, 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 what I'm saying is that for many people, film uh, is, uh, is probably the best art form. So, uh, I'm just saying they, they're yeah and what's the first thing people think about when they think about Star Wars the music is, is very film is, it is a, a visual yeah. and uh, audio uh, phenomena so yeah the, those things are both firing and I guess in that sense you could say there, there's a purity of, of music and then it's just uh, auditory uh, aural I guess uh, and there's a sort of purity to uh, visual art, uh, you know, whatever, fine art, uh, in that it is just, there's no sound uh, except for those. Yeah, I think we both agree that music is the most important art form. Uh, I'm sure that you do agree. Yeah. Um, plastic yeah. surgery. Yeah. Yes. I've had a little bit. Right. I've had my eyelids correct, quote unquote, corrected, had a little bit of lasering, get a little bit of Botox, a little bit of fillers. And when I, you say corrected, you mean that blepharoplasty, you've had crescents removed from your eyelids. Yes. 
mm-hmm. because my eyelids were resting on my eyelashes mm-hmm. and I didn't like the way it looked and I'm super open about it I didn't say oh it's giving me headaches and no I didn't mm-hmm. like the way that it looked mm-hmm. and I was in my early 30s when it was already starting to happen so part of your body has been removed mm-hmm. uh, how is that like uh, a tooth extraction uh, an appendix uh, removal well no uh, because it's optional and it's cosmetic no, but do you feel whatever mind, body, and I'm not even going, you know, Eastern wooey here, but uh, you have removed part of what was you. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that happens, you know, naturally, cells uh, re- rebuilding, et cetera, regenerating. But uh, you deliberately went and removed part of you. I did. And, yes. I, you know, <laughs> so... I love going in and getting my treatments. They hurt like hell, but I love doing it. And I don't say I'm not like addicted to it. I think that my, what I had, the work I have done in my face is, is tasteful. It's in balance. It's not crazy, but I love doing it. So and do you see the, the blood flow process do the, as the same as like Botox injections? Well, yeah. I mean, it is surgery and surgery is sort of scary, but Right, it one isn't is cutting out. Yeah, but it isn't any is more invasive than like having a mole, a mole, yeah, surgically removed. But the point is, it is cosmetic for me. It was cosmetic. I didn't like yeah. the way my eyes looked, <clears throat> and I was putting together a list of other things that I was considering doing, and I was surprised at how long the list was. You know. I was like, oh, I want to get a little bit of a neck lift. I want to maybe get um, a breast augmentation. Not to make them bigger, but just to hold them up a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe then, oh, why not? A little tummy tuck, a little bit of... Because what happens when you get older is that the if you have a little bit of fat, the fat just... When I was younger, I never understood what that word like jiggly now I do. Oh, like the fat on the inside of my thighs is just gelatinous. Oh, I could get that pulled out. I've always wanted a nose job. I hate my nose. You know, so now, yeah, but that's my point. The list all of a sudden got really long. Like, fa- you know, partial facelift, neck lift, nose job, liposuction, boob job. I'm like, whoa, 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 Beth. But you know what? I didn't. I still kind of didn't put me off. I'm like, I think I think I want to do these things, you know. And now you can go up to Poland or you can go over to Turkey, and it's you can get a you can get breast augmentation in Poland for twenty five hundred bucks oh, combined. So you get in a back alley and no, no, no. But these are these are Polish want. surgeons that have That's studied true. and worked and gotten their medical licenses. First yeah. of all, Poland is amazing. Nobody understands that there's some incredibly cool things happening in Poland right now. Oh, so shout out to Poland. Poland. I'm just but, saying there's always procedures everywhere. But the problem is, if I'm super honest with myself, the whole aging gracefully, I don't want to age gracefully. I want to age. I want to. I'm going to stop saying wanna. Wanna gonna. Get that out, Beth. Want I to. want to age not gracefully. I want to age tastefully. Kicking and screaming. Uh, tastefully because a hundred years ago at our age we were kind of wrapping things up a hundred years ago at our age yeah we We would it would be you know time to we're looking at the rainbow bridge but i've got decades ahead of me i don't like what old age natural old age looks like we're so we can live to be so long so we can live so long and i think it's maintenance you know, for me, the only thing I care about is that I feel good looking in the mirror. That's that's the truth. I don't need my looks anymore. Not that I ever did, but I used to think that I did to advance my advance, you know, or to use my looks to my advantage. I don't need to use my looks at all anymore. Again, not that I ever did, but I thought that it was helpful or that I did. So I want to loop back to, to so one of those you mentioned, I think that 
pretty much everything else I heard had to do with um, age and, you know, changing and, yeah, the, the way our appearance uh, is either are not our youthful selves. That's fine. But the nose you mentioned. Now, mm-hmm. of course, our noses and ears change a, a bit, but you said you've always hated your nose. So, yeah. so the, this kind of, you know, modification to, you know, be whatever the, our, we are in our mind's eye or just something to feel better about ourselves. I'm all for everybody feeling good about themselves. Um, but but that's the only one that jumped out to me. It's like that you would have changed that from the get-go. Yeah. So that's not, I think, in, in some ways, that one's more interesting because you're saying it's not related to maintenance or what, you know, the the best version of yourself that you've known over time. You're not trying to maintain that. Uh, you're completely changing it. So, mm-hmm. But you never prioritized that. You could have had a nose job years ago. I could have, yeah. <coughs> Yeah, that one is really cosmetic. Everything else that I mentioned, not only does it look better, but it feels better. It doesn't feel nice when your breasts are, they move more than they used to. It doesn't feel nice when, you know, the inside of your thighs move more than they used to. It doesn't feel nice to be able to feel tissue underneath your chin and jaw where it didn't used to be there. I don't like that feeling. But yeah, with my nose it's you know I never liked it but now that I'm older the things I don't like about it are getting more pronounced because you know your nose the cartilage your nose and ears gross getting bigger but also I mean just look on Instagram there are millions of videos out there on how to do contouring makeup and for me this is also an important distinction between cosmetic surgery and cosmetics makeup Mm -hmm. you know I would rather spend a couple grand getting my nose you know, refined, tweaked, then spending, you know, thousands of euros over the next 10 years on makeup that is not sustainable, that comes in plastic packaging, you know, to contour the sides of my nose. I actually think that plastic surgery, if you're going to go that route and it's safe, is more ethical, it's more sustainable, it's more impactful. Um, You know, why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I think that anybody that wears makeup and says and you know and judges people who get cosmetic surgery are total hypocrites because there's no difference. We're all just trying to like contour and modify our appearance. I mean, ultimately, that that is uh, certainly the goal. And, and no rabbits course, were tortured well, by people doing nose jobs. Well, t- tortured in the that ain't nose job. But yeah. No. <laughs> um, anyway, the uh, difference I think it. To, to some degree, though, is that, you know, relative safety of the procedure. So, yes, if you could say, well, this is, you know, but there's also safe and successful are not necessarily the same things. I mean, there's any number of, uh, you know, rhinoplasties that don't end up uh, exactly as, as the person wants to do. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know, it is more invasive than uh, makeup, obviously. Um, so, so there are potential hazards there. But also, uh, I thought it was interesting, too, that you were mentioning, on the one hand, you know, we say cosmetics, so I'm thinking purely visual. But a lot of what you're talking about, so it's one thing to be disappointed when one looks in the mirror. That's, yeah, I can understand that all the time. But you're talking about, like, feeling like I'm whatever, my body doesn't move the way, or, you know, this part of my... (laughs) body is resting on this part and that didn't used to happen like that is um i i can understand how that's affecting quality of life because i mean my response to you know if i don't like what i see in the mirror i don't have to look in the mirror but if it's the sort of thing where just as i'm carrying myself throughout the day i'm you know like if i sit down and i happen to have sat on my bollocks or whatever it's like all right well maybe i should you know get a lift or whatever that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. I, i could see that these ones where you're your body doesn't feel the, the the way it should in our mind. Yeah, that that maybe those procedures are even more important for people. And also, feeling, look, right? it's a two. It's 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 both. I mean, nobody wants to look at your bollock, and your bollock is not oh, usually out enough. on display. You know. Well, it is more than you. I mean, the the likelihood of it falling out of a you know pair of underwear not wear mm-hmm. those but it, if it were, yeah for it, the record michael does have both bollocks he's just talking about 
Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm just talking about uh, general sags mm-hmm. uh, and uh, how the, how these things change. Yeah. Um, so I was in Istanbul. When was I in Istanbul? February of this year, and I had not. I'd only been to Istanbul once before, and it was like 15 years ago. And man, has that city changed! So it's become a bit more conservative. You see a lot more women in, in you know, Abaya, but. I would say upwards of 95% of all the young women that I saw there had lip fillers. Right. and But, I mean, young women getting lip fillers, this is maybe something that I, I'm uncomfortable with because everybody looks like a cheap version of a Kardashian. And for me, I just want to preserve the way I've always looked. I don't want to change my look, maybe with the exception of my nose. But right. And they all just look so cheap and so plastic. And the men, hundreds and hundreds of men walking around, oh, it was horrific to look at, with these, like, what looks like toilet paper wrapped around the sides of their heads and then thousands of little dot scabs on the tops of their heads getting hair transplants. But it is. I, but again, the hair transplants, once they grow and they all look exactly the same, they all have the same hairline. They put, they leave it just a little bit of recession to try, quote unquote, make it look natural. They all look horrible. It looks awful. And somewhere along the line, people have lost their sense of, of again, taste of like aging gracefully versus aging tastefully. It is not tasteful. It just on either side. And Turkish women are so beautiful. I'm like, ladies, please, please don't do this. Like, stop it. You know? It looks, it looks so bad. It looks so bad. Uh, well, this is a lot. Also, uh, I presume that the Kardashians are Armenian, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. So the idea that you're you know, bundling Turks and Armenians, <laughs> that's not going to make some people happy. But, um, all right. Uh, yeah. So. Anyway. What do we got to get? I think part yeah. of the issue mm-hmm. here is what exactly is the, uh, hair transplant supposed to accomplish um if we're you know are we fooling anyone uh there's any number of rugs that uh yeah for that matter toupees or full-on transplant well that's like nobody the point isn't to fool i mean you can look at anybody that has those that level of fillers in their face and know they have fillers well the point is to have it's cosmetic it's the point is for them to feel better about well i don't right mm, i I hope that's i guess but i mean it makes me sad to think that people want to feel better about themselves because they want to look like somebody else version versus like the best version of themselves, you know? Look, presumably Jennifer Grey didn't like her nose. Yeah, that was a horrible mistake. I think she regrets all that plastic surgery because she was so adorable. Well, she was just she was just Jennifer Grey, and now she's not. I mean, of course mm-hmm. she is, but uh, I love our contemporary references, the, by the way. I don't know who else to go on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's any number of people who have had. Uh, look, if you see somebody now, I mean, you know that they've had work. But I I kind of appreciate sometimes the the work that's so obvious. <laughs> um, Rather so than j- just a bit of, of this or that. Yeah. Um, I assume uh, Michelle Pfeiffer has had work, right? I mean, this is just what... She went over the top with the lip fillers. Did. And that's ironic because everybody wants the Michelle Pfeiffer mouth. You know, her natural mouth. And... Um, well, Barbara Hershey was the one back in the day. Yeah, she that was... the first one ever. But, yeah, it was um, really bad. But anyway. I, I suppose ladies are more likely to do it. I don't the, think the that I'll get a boob job because I don't like... Th- First of all, I think the recovery sounds really painful. And even if it's six weeks, eight weeks, that's more, that's too many weeks than I have to give. Yeah, and also the idea of putting something, it feels, it seems so brutal, like putting a foreign object in your body that's not an IUD. Yep. Because you don't have to do that surgically is, I think, a step too far for me. So maybe what I'll do is just like build up my pec muscles and hope for the best. It's, it, it is, uh, it, a significant uh, procedure um and of course you know ironically i guess the more likely people are to do this and uh or um when we are more aged then Mm -hmm. the likelihood of us recovering entirely from that surgery becomes more complicated well the idea came to me when i thought oh if i get a breast augmentation i won't have to wear a bra anymore but apparently you still have to wear a bra so i was like well it just if it doesn't help me with my you know my laziness or just trying to get out the door faster then it's maybe not worth it 
Well, um, don't want to worry. Probably just have a double mastectomy. I mean, that's I could go the other direction. Yeah. yeah, it's just. Like, oh, that's not nice to say though. No, I'm I'm saying that's that's some people's approach. If you Michael, that's not to. some people's approach. Well, it is. Nobody gets it. a double mastectomy because they don't want to wear a bra. No one. I'm saying they they could. I'm saying if the primary purpose here is to avoid wearing a bra. Then, yeah, I didn't see. I didn't think of it that way. It could, I could. That would be an option for me. Thanks for that. Yeah, no, it, I don't think yeah. it's a good option. No, don't worry. I'm not. Yeah, don't worry. Think, don't I, worry. I'll be more likely to get mine first. So yesterday, I said I was gonna do a bunch of stuff. We're wrapping things up pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, we're wrapping it up. Yeah. Yesterday, I said I was gonna do a bunch of stuff. I got two things done on that list. Okay. Um. How so that's. How many things were there on the list? There were five. I think five things. All right. That's not too good. Um, so I'll work on that. My, I, I'm not adding to the list. I'm continuing on that list until I get it done. Um, 400 batting average is goddamn good. Is it? Well, feels like failure. Um, okay. So yeah. on the agenda for today, I have to take Chariot to the vet. Yeah, I think it's probably time for that. Yeah, and then I have to, then I'm going to get be behind my laptop all day. Tomorrow I have to go to Groninga. Um, and are you going to be at the jar all day too? Okay, I'm going to come by. I am not going to be able to come by the jar today. Yep, sounds good. Or tomorrow, but definitely on Wednesday. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Yeah, all right. right.